everyone. Thank you for listening to The Death of VHS, the movie review podcast. Please remember that the language and topics might not be suitable in a typical work environment, as there might be strong language or triggering topics during the review of movies, ranging from a G rating to an R rating. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. To sleep, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come? When we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause. That is a line from the soliloquy of the play Hamlet by Shakespeare. I want to thank you all for joining us, and I would also like to take this opportunity to caution all as we talk about the very tragic and triggering topic of suicide as we explore and review the movie What Dreams May Come, a 1998 fantasy drama whose title and some of the story comes from that soliloquy. In another original episode of The Death of VHS. Alright, welcome everybody to another fun episode of The Death of VHS, and I will emphasize fun here. <laughs> um, today we will be talking about the movie What Dreams May Come, a 1998 awesome fantasy drama whose tagline was, After Life There Is More. Um, let's start off with uh, introducing everybody who's here with me today. Uh, I am Oni, as you all should know by now, and if you don't, check out our previous episodes and find out. And I am joined by two of the hosts. Go ahead and introduce yourself, boys. Good morning. It's Jamie here. Morning. This is Jones. All right. Good morning. Yeah, it's it's morning early for them. All right, so let's uh, let's start off with some box office stats uh, before I jump into the synopsis there. Jones, you want to take that? All righty, yeah, I'll do it. So let's go into some numbers for What Dreams May Come. What Dreams May Come had a budget of $85 million, uh, which in 2022 would be about $155 million. It grossed only $55 million. Back in 1998, um, with a, a pretty big loss of $30 million uh, opening weekend, $15.8 million, uh, which in today's numbers is about 28, uh, pretty much $29 million. Um, so the worldwide gross would be 101 in 2022, which is a pretty big loss. So the, the movie itself didn't do well. Uh, it was only released domestically. There's no international numbers. So not too good uh, with the box office there. I wonder why that may be. I'd be curious if it would have uh, if it would have helped it with international release. I don't know. I feel like movies I, like this often do better internationally. I feel like I don't know. Domestically would be the the, the way to go. Um, I think suicide's a pretty heavy topic. Um, and I know you have Robin Williams in there, who's you know a great comedic and dramatic actor. Um, but I think maybe just the topic was heavy. I, I don't know if that factored into it, but it's um, yeah, it did not do Could well. Be. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I forgot of, to I forgot to uh, mention like the director and all that. So that's my bad. Um, it's directed by Vincent Ward. Um, it's based on a novel written by Richard Matheson. Um, Ron Bass mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay. Uh, it is considered a. Uh, it's classified as a drama fantasy romance, and it is rated PG thirteen with the runtime of an hour and fifty three minutes. Yeah, but was... like Jones says, it stars uh, Robin Williams, Cuba uh, Gooding Jr., Annabelle Soria, Max von Sydow as well. So, and you might know those names. At least I'm, I'm pretty sure you know Robin Williams uh, and Cooper Gooding Jr. Um, Max von Sydow. He's he's a great actor as well. Uh, and most recently, he was uh, Lor Santeca in Force Awakens. Yes, which is great. And then uh, the the person who wrote this movie, Richard Matheson, at least the book on what it's based off of. He also wrote uh, the book for I Am Legend. Which is also another great, great adventure story, in my opinion. Ah, I did not good know drama. That. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep, yep, yep. That, that's right. all great. Yeah, that's kind of crazy with the, with the, uh, the low, low money. I I would assume that it would got higher just with Robin Williams in it. Right. Um, but I mean, back then you didn't have like a lot of different stuff and and. I wonder what what movies were out at the time that this one was. I'm not. When this one was released. I mean, you're talking 19, what, 98? Yeah. In October. October. Yeah, at the end of the year. You're talking a lot of Adam Sandler stuff starting to really (laughs) hit screens. (laughs) Yeah. I know that's the year of, like, Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Mm -hmm. Ryan. Um, But I don't think. Oh, yeah. There it was huge matter. ones that were out. Saving Private Ryan. I think there was Jim Carrey's film. <clears throat> what was that? Uh, the Truman Show. Oh. Wasn't yeah. that 98? I don't know, but I will take your word for it. I can't remember. Yeah, another comedian, you know, doing a bit of drama. Um, mm-hmm. That's not bad. But yeah, there's uh, Shakespeare in Love and um, Armageddon, actually. Did this, uh, did this movie win any awards, Jones? It did actually. Um, it won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Yeah, it was up against Dang. Armageddon and Mighty Joe Young. Oh, Mighty Joe Young. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it did win the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and four other smaller um, awards also for uh, visual effects. That that makes sense. This is actually a very beautiful looking movie. Um, in its original form, for sure. Here, I, I can give you the top uh, 10 box office uh, highest grossing films for that year, just to give you an idea yeah. what the year had. So number one was Armageddon. Yeah. Number two, Saving Private Ryan, uh, followed by Godzilla. There's Something About Mary, A Bug's Life, Deep Impact, which some would say was the better Armageddon, Mulan, <laughs> Dr. Doolittle, Shakespeare in Love, and then Lethal Weapon 4. Oh, wow. So it got beat by a, a fourth sequel or a third sequel of uh, Leave the Weapon. Oof. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of action in there. So maybe just people were just gearing up for Y two K. You know, they just want <laughs> they just wanted all the action first and see what what's going to happen in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's 
Yeah, that's. I guess that's a, that maybe maybe. <laughs> it's it's the best explanation I can come up with. So that Y two K scared people into watching action yeah. films. So that opening weekend, this these are the movies that it, it was going up against, and maybe um, it would. I mean, no, I wouldn't say it was a hard weekend, but so there's ants, the animated ants with a Z. <laughs> The worst bug life. <laughs> yeah, the, the knockoff bug uh, life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The complete uh, ripoff, yeah. The Imposters, which is like Oliver Platt, Stanley Tucci movie. Right. A yeah. Night of the Roxbury, which was an instant classic. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> uh, Strange Land, which I don't remember that at all. It was a horror movie with Robert England. Not as the main character, but uh, he was in it. And then What Dreams May Come. So it's, I don't know. It wasn't that, that doesn't you know, seem crazy like a competitive busy weekend. of a weekend. Yeah. Interesting. That's um that's not a good indicator, I think, of what's to come for what dreams may come. <laughs> you I shut your mouth. That's, that's not really heavy competition, I think, for a Robin no. Williams led yeah. film. I mean ants is just no competition at all. So <laughs> exactly. Write that one off. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Though I liked it as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> because it came out same year as, as Bugs Life. Yeah, yeah. awful. Like, I mean, come on. No, like, obviously, there's some insider trading going on. Yeah, it was. Just, <laughs> it was. It was. Anyways. Uh, so the synopsis. <laughs> let's get into the synopsis of this film. Um, so Chris, who is played by Robin Williams, dies in a car accident as he tries to save a stranger. And he enters heaven. As he is coping in the afterlife, reconnecting with his dead daughter, he learns that his wife killed herself and goes to hell due to her feeling responsible for both of their children's death and now her husband's death. So he goes on a journey into hell to find her soul to be with her once more, which is a pretty crazy story. Pretty crazy. Yep. So, uh, Jamie, what's your uh, what's your opinions of it, my man? So some of this is probably going to get mixed in with the, you know, what stood out, all that good stuff. But for me, it's a film, I, I feel like it would be best uh, liked by the hopeless romantic type. Um, I'm going to say that on the, you know, on the offset, because uh, that way you know that Jones has no heart as he tears <laughs> the movie apart and has no romance in his bones at all. True. But, uh... <laughs> But his I, poor wife. Yeah, um, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> the things that stood out to me the most: a the visual, the visualization. I even when I first saw it as a teenager, uh, I was like, "Wow, this is like probably one of the best visualizations of heaven and hell I've seen at that time, at least." Um, and I really liked that part aspect of it. And then I really liked. Especially because at the time, I think I was still affected by a suicide in the family. And so I, I liked the different take on suicide, um, which I guess this is probably the one, the thing that also stood out the most to me, which is, uh, and, and I know hopefully this isn't too triggering for anybody and it might, and I know it's a controversial topic, but I feel like at least in my family, um, you know, suicide is typically thought of as like a very cowardly act. It's, it's, it's. Uh, you're not thinking of anyone else but yourself. But then with this movie, she literally lost everyone else but herself. 
And so it's not quite the same act of cowardice as, you know, it might be if you still have your, your spouse or your kids around, which is an unfortunate thing to say because we all love Robin Williams and, and that's exactly what he ended up doing. Um, and it's just like, and it, which even hits you harder as you're watching this movie. It's, it's, inc- it's, it's heartbreaking, the parallels uh, between the film and, you know, Robin Williams his later life but but yeah I thought it was uh, I liked the take uh, and it gave a little bit more understanding and, and it's almost like wow it's I can understand someone giving up when that's what life has dealt to them you know um, yeah it, it's still whether you believe it's right or wrong it, it, it you know let's say you believe it's completely wrong and there's you never ever do that but when you see just a crap that she went through losing her husband and her kids. It's like, I can almost see it, you know, understand it. It's almost like, well, I can't blame her anymore. She lost everything that's important. But, um, but yeah, that, that stood out the most to me. Uh, and so as you, if you haven't learned by now, I did enjoy it. I, I, I really liked it as the hopeless romantic I am. Uh, my wife enjoyed it. And anyone who says otherwise is clearly very wrong in this subjective <laughs> material. Yes, it's 100% subjective. <laughs> well. How about you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jones? <laughs> yeah, let's get the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> okay, yes. Obviously, as uh, hinted by Jones, I mean by Jamie, sorry. I'm Jones. Um, <laughs> good lord, Th- this is how this is how backwards this movie has me. Um, <laughs> so yes, I did not enjoy the movie. Um, I understand the romantic side of it and the tragic side of it, and that's all well and done. Uh, um, it's all fine, and there's movies that I think do it better. I think this movie kind of had some really weird issues from direction to maybe editing. Um, The way it was structured, it just... So, you know, we get the kid's death really, really early in the movie, um, which they totally, like, kind of skim over almost. Um, We barely know the kids. They have, like, one breakfast together. And then, you know, boom, they're dead. And they don't show the death or anything. All of a sudden, it just cuts to a funeral. And that was just, like, really jarring. I was kind of like, what the heck? Like, what's going on? I didn't even have a chance to, like, you know, get to know these kids. Um, And which, obviously, later on down the road, we get a little bit more on them from, you know, this jumping back and forth with, like, flashbacks and stuff. And I didn't really like that either. I'm not a huge fan of flashbacks and in this movie it just it didn't work for me um and then there's just this weird part where we meet a stewardess Leona um she is played by Rosalind Chow um it's an attractive lady and we find out that it's it's actually the daughter in disguise as a stewardess and the reason she's spoiler dis- alert. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> just, I'm just messing with you guys. No. <laughs> so, like, this is his daughter in disguise. He doesn't quite know yet. And the reason she chose to appear this way 
is because her dad smiled at the lady once on a flight and made a a, uh, a little comment about oh how Asians are graceful and beautiful and so the daughter kind of picked up on that and you know in the afterlife here she is representing herself as this stewardess Leona because you know her dad is kind of a little perved out on a plane one time I didn't look like this in the body you know We flew to Singapore once, and my daddy smiled at the flight attendant who <laughs> looked like this and wore this name tag. <laughs> it's just really weird and, and creepy to me. Yeah. Um, that yeah. just seemed totally out of place and just was so odd, and I did not like it. So. I don't know. There's nothing there that makes me feel like connected to these characters. And yes, I understand that, you know, Robin Williams and, and Annabelle Soria, uh, Siora, they're like soulmates. And, you know, he's doing what he can to get back to his soulmate. And yes, it's, it's very romantic. It's very tragic. But that's really all there is. You know, we have Cuba Gooding Jr. We have Max Van Sydow and we have a, a really good cast. But it's just not enough to keep me anywhere interested in this movie. And even visually, um, yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, it has some really good visual effects. I, I will give it that. Um, I'm not sure that it's Academy Award worthy, but obviously it was um, since it won the award. Uh, but for me, not really. Um, the imagery between Heaven and Hell was interesting. I do like how they described hell, you know, not as like a place, like it's not really a moral issue. It, it's more like it's, it's dependent on the person and, and you know, how, how they feel about uh, like what's going on with their death. Like they don't know like why or like that they're dead and, and like, you know, why they're there. They're just kind of living still, but it's a really sad, like kind of living um, so, I mean, it's interesting. Um, it, it's good that, you know, if you're a religious type, that if you commit suicide, um, you know, in certain religions, then that's kind of like it damns you. Um, so it was cool that they kind of went the route where, you know, the suicide doesn't immediately send you, you know, to hell and, and there is some coming back from it. Um, so, you know, it, it, ha it has some, it has some, you know, nice things in it. But it's not enough to keep it entertaining, to make it worth watching even. Um, so, yeah, from <laughs> from my end, uh, it's not a great movie plot-wise, you know. Uh, and as a film, it's just, it's really lacking for me. But, uh, yeah, what about, uh, what about you, I, I decided to watch Ants. That's what, that's what I got from your, from your speech. I went to watch Ants that weekend. I wish. That's what Jones did. If he didn't know, 1998, that's what he did instead of watching this movie. Absolutely. That is, that is now historical facts. That is what yeah, the history that's, books that's, will yeah, show. That's canon. I chose the better of the two, uh, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, this movie, man. This movie for me was all types of uh, 
a different I, I agree with both of you, honestly, I really do. Um because I agree with, with Jones on a lot of the, the elements just seem very rushed. Um remember this is based off of a book itself, so running a synopsis on it and to, to adapt it to a screenplay, especially for a book of this caliber, which is supposed to be very poetic, is very, very difficult to do. I don't think the screenplay uh writer did a good job at all. Um now especially because I already hinted this at the at the intro of this whole episode, is that this this movie gets its title from Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 1, in the speech um, of, you know, the, the to be or not to be speech, which is a speech about suicide. It's Hamlet pondering if he should kill himself or not because of all the stuff that's going on in his life at that time. And ultimately deciding not because of the moral religious dilemma. So understanding that, uh, because he talks about how, you know, he's just pondering what what stops people from committing suicide as a logical end to all types of suffering, heartache, oppression, you know, political issues. And what he ultimately thinks is the deciding factor of to be or not to be is, is that what happens to you in the afterlife is unknown an undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns he changes his metaphor to have it be sleep uh to add the possibility that you're just dreaming to die to sleep to sleep per chance to dream i there's the rub this whole movie for me was, was hard to digest uh, because one, it it opens up with my personal greatest fear. I have two kids, and my greatest fear is burying burying a child. Like I do not want to see my kids die. I prefer to die first. That's that's my life there, and it is. And I think a lot of parents out there also agree to that. So it's it was hard for me to just go. Oh my gosh, I already have the shock value going in. I agree that whole part was rushed. Um, I mean, like I've personally witnessed a mother's love for her son being expressed by the son's deathbed. I've, I've seen that in person and it was personally the hardest thing that I've ever had to watch in my life. Um, and I think, you know, this movie is not, uh, only an important to understand its deep message that death one is inevitable, but death should not be unnatural. The way her, her, the way the wife dies is an unnatural version of death because she takes her own life. This movie <laughs> made me really angry and sad because that's how Robin Williams died too. You know, he, he killed himself. So I, I basically experienced his death all over again. I'm, I don't know him personally. I never knew him personally. I only knew him through his, his art. And, and to watch him talk about this movie in interviews and understanding that that he does believe in heaven he does understand he does believe it's personal that it is just hard to redeem him now and it's so difficult for me um i think what redeems this whole movie is that chris in the movie says something so profound that it makes everything better that if you want to see a person who's gone you can see them in dreams so and I think that's what ties in all of this, all of this kind of movie. It is a visually stunning movie. It's very beautiful because uh, it, it interprets his heaven as his wife's paintings, 
Uh, so you get all those vibrant colors. You get you get pastel. You get oil. You get all of it. You get all the different mediums. And and hell is actually represented pretty well too. I do agree with that. That it's very very um, personal. Which if if you didn't hear the Beetlejuice one, that was probably my favorite thing about the movie is that they they emphasize that death is very personal. Um. Because I believe we all have our personal choice of the afterlife. It's why I'm a big fan of the conceptual album that My Chemical Romance made, The, the Black Parade. Uh, because it explores the concept of life and death and how death comes for you. Um, with the idea that death comes for you and the vision of your most powerful memory. Um, you know, for the character in the, in the album, it was in the form of a parade that his father took him to when he was a child. Um, what makes stories like this able to be told over and over and over again is that it's always going to be original and it's hard to compare a story like this movie to, uh, another of the same type of philosophy of what death is like and what happens to you after you die. And it makes me think, uh, of, you know, Beetlejuice, how that's kind of a, a it's a post-mortem story and it is very different from this one, but it's kind of sending the same message. Um, and, of course, Beetlejuice is crazy and awesome, right? Um, but it's also a very theatrical piece, and that's why you have to approach these things this way. I do agree the story's rushed. I personally did like the movie. I did. I'm not Jones. I have a heart. <laughs> but uh, I do agree that a lot of it wasn't really adapted properly for film, and I think overall that's what really made this movie difficult. That's why critics were like, this is a Robin Williams film. You got Cuba Gooden Jr. You got this all-star cast, including, you know, very popular actor, Max von Sydow. And you get you give me this. Uh, I think a lot of people were turned off to the idea that it glorified suicide a little bit, um, thinking that you can redeem yourself in the afterlife. I personally am with the, the idea that it's a cowardice move. I do not think suicide's ever a good route. In fact, after watching this film, you know, I look over to my wife and I'm like, you better not do that. Like, I, I, will, I will find you in the afterlife and berate you and leave you in the afterlife because you're never going to do that. Like, it was, it was a, I think all couples need to watch that movie to probe them to talk about what happens when the other passes. So uh, I think the validity of the movie is there. I do agree that a lot of the story was rushed, though. But um, it taking a lot from the Hamlet speech was really big to me. Like, um, like I, I'm a big Shakespeare fan. Uh, I've acted in plays in high school and in college with Shakespeare. Um, so feeling those words and and comprehending the moral dilemma of suicide i think is a very difficult topic and i think it definitely turned a lot of people off from this movie but i think it's still worth a watch my opinion but that's uh that's my overall opinion at least what uh so for jones what what stood out to you the most in this film then the bad writing the bad directing, <laughs> the the overall disappointing nature of a Robin Williams uh, performance. Um, a lot of the bad stuck out for me, and that's really what I kind of 
um taking away from the movie is just it it just it was just way too rushed there was a really a lack of cohesion um i felt nothing for these characters because i didn't really know these characters you know we get a brief intro to um chris and annie on a lake um and then yeah, his sweater vest was great though. oh yeah and the hair <laughs> Oh yeah, I love it, and I appreciate it's that. Gorgeous. <laughs> yes, that's part of the visuals that are so stunning in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's just, there wasn't anything that really stood out positively for me, you know, other than Robin Williams being in it, and you know, he's just a fantastic actor, and you know, he did a lot of good stuff. Um, this not included, um, but. Yeah, for me, what just stood out was I just couldn't get over um, how bad the movie was. And not only, like, from a plot perspective, but just, I don't know, like, it was so... They made some weird choices, like, there's, like, random slowdowns, um, and it just really, like, every time I'd get this little random slowdown, I was like, "What, what the heck is going on here? This is, like, like a Zack Snyder movie, but, you know, romantic and I just, I wasn't into that. <laughs> it was that. really choppy. Yeah, and it just, they made a lot of choices that I, I personally wouldn't have made. I'm not a filmmaker, so maybe I'm in the wrong. But it just, it didn't appeal to me as, like, a very good movie. So that's really what stood out to me. I, I was just, I was seeing a lot of the parts that weren't working. They were um, all bad. Yeah, yeah. so I, I just wish we would have gotten a little bit more background on the characters you know, why are they so in love? Why is she his soulmate? Soulmate. It's extremely rare, but it exists. Sort of like twin souls tuned into each other. Apparently even in death. You know, what is it that is really connecting them? Who the heck are these kids? Um, something, you know, to make me want to fight for Robin and going and getting his wife other than it's his wife and it's the romantic thing to do like give me something yeah he really he really chooses the wife over like everything yeah uh, wife over the kids yeah. over himself yeah. and because he found his kids yeah in the afterlife and he's like nope i'm gonna go to hell to get my wife yeah and like, his, yeah it's, it's very yeah i get you yeah and even his cute dog like he had everything but the wife yep which, you know, for some would be enough. For hey, him, all dogs go to heaven, too, so that just, oh, yeah. that's fact. I'm yeah. glad they included that. <laughs> Me, too. Actually, that was, that was probably one of the parts I did like was seeing the, right away the dog. Like, oh, hell yeah, that's awesome. Where am I? This is the Great Hall of Judgment. Judgment? Oh, not to worry, Charlie. You'll go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven because unlike people, dogs are naturally good and loyal and kind. Huh. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah. Sorry, that's that's uh, that's what stood out for me. Uh, I don't know. I want to hear what Jamie has to say. <laughs> so obviously, the the take on suicide was the the big standout for me. But there there were definitely a few other things. Um, like I, I liked there was a moment when uh, they were doing a flashback when he was uh, when he was visiting her in the um, I get I guess the psych ward. Uh, yeah. and he, and, and so he's like sticking, oh, it's when he first died. So, um, not, not that part. So when he first dies, he's like sticking around, you know, he's like, 
talking to her constantly saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And the other character, um, shoot, what's his name? Albert is trying to tell him, you know, you're, you're kind of hurting her. Don't stick around. But I, I feel like, uh, most of us would be like kind of in denial or, or not wanting to leave, especially if it's something so sudden, of course you still want to see your, you know, your loved one. But yeah. there was a moment when, uh, she's at his grave site and mourning him still. And he's like, I'm still here. And he, and he goes like to, to touch her. And, and, and since they're connected, she kind of feel it. And she screams out loud. Mm-hmm. And that's when he finally realizes that he's hurting her. And I really liked that they didn't let that linger on too much to make him look like a completely selfish asshole. Like he realized, okay, I'm hurting her. I need to go now. I don't know. I, right. I, I really like that part. Um, and, and there was a, like several little parts like that. And I do agree with Jones that uh, like the, the parts that I didn't like were when the kids chose these uh, different ways of uh, these different bodies and different faces for whatever reason. And the biggest one, even more annoying than the daughter's choice was that the son chooses Albert, but then later on you find that Albert chooses a white guy (laughs) and you know, Albert that we thought was his son is actually this other guy. And to me, I was like, that's so like pointless. Like what was the point of, of adding that little, uh, you know, M. Night Shyamalan twist. What a twist! You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. To me, that was definitely like, I rolled my eyes. But I just, you know, whatever. I just brushed it aside and kept going with it. But, um, but yeah, that, 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 those, those kinds of things stood out. Um, I would say, uh, my, f- oh wait, oh, we're, we're, we're not to the, uh, favorite part of the movie yet, so never mind. Um, I will say though that, um, I, I do feel like this movie was another one that showed off like when Robin Williams uh, was a doctor and he was with that little girl in the room, like his patient mm-hmm. uh, at the mm-hmm. painting. I feel like just his facial expressions, it, it always reminds me how like he can come off as like crazy, manic, hilarious, but then super, super caring and like genuinely caring. Like if he was ever my doctor and I had a lot of doctors like I would just trust him immediately with whatever he, you know, and like him and love him immediately. I feel like, and that was one of the things that drew people to Robin Williams, you know, and then he can do movies like, was it one hour photo where he's a complete psychopath? Yeah. And just his, he hits the spectrum hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how just his, like the way he uses his eyes and his mouth Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. so intense. But anyways, those things definitely stood out to me the most. Okay. How about you, Mr. Oni? Yes. Yeah, I yeah, I think the the big thing that stood out to me is just that it was visually stunning. Like honestly, the whole film uh was the costumes, you know, the sea of faces, the effects, like all they did was um really really great and it really stood out to me just the visual of and the contrast between the two two areas. Um I think that 
you know, uh, um, I mean, even him in the sea of faces, seeing this guy that he thought was his dad. Excuse oh. you. Oh, sorry. Son. Welcome. Welcome, son. Papa? Son. Papa. You're, you're Klaus. Welcome. No. Welcome, welcome. You're not my dad. Sorry. Oh, it's all right. They, they never come. Don't worry, it's only a matter of time. Still thinking about all that, and that that actor, God, I I, I wrote Verna, it down, but I can't remember. Werner Herzog. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know him, he's the client in the Mandalorian series. If Karga said you were coming, he said you were the best in the Parsec. Uh, this is Dr. Pershing. Please excuse his lack of decorum. That first puts uh, the Mando on the path to find Grogu, uh, which is really cool. Same actor, really great actor. Um, but I mean, like it just, just I'm, I'm a big theater guy, so I'm gonna look at the, I'm gonna look and critique the the visual effects, all that other stuff that they do, um, very very hard. And I thought that it deserved that Academy Award. I think, especially compared to all the rest of the movies that came out at the same time. Um, I mean Armageddon, yeah, that's 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 a tough one to to fight against, but it definitely won it out, and I think it's because it, it they they went the route the painting come to life, and I think that was uh, really really good. I, I liked that a lot. That stood out to me the most was just how beautiful the movie was. How they, especially in the scene that you were talking about, Jamie, about how you know he he's not accepting death. There's a lot of different you know, um, there's, there's a lot of different metaphors that play out in this whole, whole film. Uh, a lot of different connections to, to how we feel and, uh, watching him like walk down the tunnel and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, like all those little visual cues that kind of stimulate our mind when it comes to the movie. Like that's one of those things that you'll miss if you just reach for a popcorn and look away, you know? Uh, that's why you have to be practiced like me and just reach with your hand. <laughs> no, keep focused on the movie. Uh, but I mean, it, it's one of the films that you're, you're going to need to watch twice to get the overall message and understand it, but also to see all the little things that they put in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, the one thing that did stood out to me, and this is what our rating system, so I'm going to spoil it early, is that there was a rabbit mm-hmm. that he had. In the the doctor's office, like I don't a wild rabbit. He said it was wild. Like <laughs> I don't, that stood out to me the most because it just didn't make sense whatsoever. We've given her MRIs and whoa, wild rabbit, watch out! <laughs> like like I agree. There's a lot of stuff in there that just didn't make sense. Right. So our uh, our rating scale today <laughs> will be wild rabbits yeah. because it just made no sense to have whatsoever in the movie. It's yeah. it stood out real hard. Uh, but I think that's gonna dive into uh, what what the favorite part of of the movie was. Uh, and for me, it, it um, when he first accepts death and he goes to heaven and everything is paint it's visually amazing to see but it also reminds me of my personal favorite robin williams film the movie hook in mm-hmm. the scene where they mm-hmm. uh, have to pretend food fight oh, 
doing it. Yep. And the food becomes real, and it's pastel colors, and it's very much like a shaving cream consistency, uh, and which is very similar to the paint scenes of Heaven. And Hook came out a long time ago, so I'm pretty sure Robin Williams like, well, if you want to do this, you should use this, right? He has a lot of expertise. But it, yeah, it made me feel of that kind of comfort and and safety that I felt when I was watching Hook and watching them play pretend food fight. Right. Because I see the same kind of effect that they used to generate that. Like when he carves the, the hole in the wall to expose more of heaven. Mm-hmm. Like literally it was like shaving cream being just carved through and dropped through. Like it, it was in um, the colors that they use was really great. Yep. Yeah, I will. Uh, what I will about uh, what about you guys? Um, I'll go ahead and say that it is yes a very visually interesting movie. So that's probably my favorite part as well. Um, visually, it does things different than the same movies of that year. So I understand why it won the award. I just I don't really agree with it. I guess because. Even though it is visually interesting, and maybe it's because I'm seeing it from the lens of 2022, it just didn't really like stand out. Like, I don't know, from a technical standpoint, I guess. Which all what they did for 1998, I guess it is really you know great comparatively, because um, you know Armageddon's a lot of just you know computer graphics, outer space stuff, but. You know, this had the paint, like you said, when he carves through the wall. That was all very, very nice. It was uh, it was well done. So, you know, it's it is visually an interesting movie. Um, but uh, that's probably my favorite part. And obviously, I didn't like the movie very much. Um, there's a lot of least favorite parts. But the one that comes to mind is the daughter that I mentioned earlier. Yep. That whole scene was just mm-hmm. like, what? Yep. Like, come on, man. <laughs> So. His kids are just liars in the afterlife. Like, why are you playing <laughs> right? these stupid games? <laughs> I think I think the big thing about the daughter, though, to give it a little bit of context, is that she never got to grow up to be what she wanted to be. And in that moment, that's why she remembered to be the stewardess. Yeah, because her dad said that they were they were elegant, mm-hmm. and that's what she wanted to be. She wanted to grow up to be an elegant woman. Yeah, yeah. So but, yeah, no, I agree. It was still real creepy. Yep. Any parents out there, your kids pick up on things you wouldn't even imagine. So you got to yep, always watch. Good lesson to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. Even in the afterlife, they they remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kids never forget. Uh, what about you, Jamie? Um, okay, yeah. This, there's like a, a, so I have a favorite quote, and then I have definitely my least favorite um, things don't add up moment in the movie. So my favorite quote was when uh, Robin Williams was being, I think it was, I think he, they had arrived in hell at the, at the house where Annie was and the real Albert, not the fake Albert played by his lying son um, tells him, you know, that he doesn't understand, uh, you know, he can't stay in there very long. And his honest, like gut reaction was uh, Rob Williams was to say it's not about understanding it's about not giving up and I, I've always loved the idea of not giving up and just a lot of things in life even though I've certainly given up many many times in, in, in different aspects um, but 
I feel like uh, a I like the quote because it's you know something you could put on your wall and go yes I'm not I'm not going to give up with whatever goal I have for today or tomorrow, but then it also hit really hard because Robin Williams did give up, and it's like you're seeing him say this but then not follow through with it so many years later and it really hurt because yeah like all of us you know so many people in the world loved Robin Williams and everything he did. And that, that one just hit really, really hard. Um, and it also linked into a, an odd fact that when he first arrived in heaven and he sees Albert out on the water, Albert, you know, talks about, hey, the last time you saw me, I was 63 and laying on the table with cardiac arrest or or, or whatever the exact mm-hmm. quote was. And then Robin Williams committed suicide at 63, which is crazy. Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways... Um, but to move on to uh, another somber moment. So when Annie commits suicide and Robin Williams is already in heaven and uh, fake Albert comes along and says, you know, I, I have something, I have something to talk to you about and you're not going to like this, blah, 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 blah. He tells them and they go through this moment. And then Albert goes, I didn't see this coming. And you're like, wait a second there's a flashback that clearly shows Annie already tried committing suicide after her kids died. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean you didn't see this coming? You've been yep. like, the, I don't know. That didn't add up to me. Like that's stupid. Yeah. Of course you had to see this coming. She literally already tried it, but I don't know. Maybe that's you, you chalk it up to like, well, he's a dumb teenager. So f- of course he's not going to put two and two together. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I guess you could write that, that off moment. as, him being a kid technically yeah they are just bad writing yep exactly <laughs> yeah well, one of those <laughs> those are those are the two options yeah <laughs> oh and i then, think uh yeah mm, go ahead oh i was gonna say the one the the thing you mentioned when um he was when he fell into the the painting of heaven and he held the uh you know the icing and it reminded you of hook i i had the exact same note like i remember watching the first time i watched it it didn't hit me that he had landed in the painting, I thought that he had icing and like, like a sweet goodiness in his hand. And it, and it always reminds me of hook and like Willy Wonka. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Why does he have icing all over him? And then, you know, cause I also was a stupid teenager. Uh, and then now I realize, Oh yeah, it was the painting. You dumbass. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, and I know I talked about this a little bit too, about how I didn't like how it, glorifies um the afterlife you know for 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 suicide and stuff like i I didn't like that a lot uh, at all um i I think that it definitely she went through the stages of what you would do Mm -hmm. um and and it was hard the the one thing i also didn't like is that it it drove home a really bad point that's that therapists do nothing and it only redeems therapist at the very end when you feel when you figure out who the real albert is because after he uh mentored chris you know robin williams character as a doctor he became a therapist and uh that's something really really small that you see at the end because it's a big reveal of like i'm your real mentor you know um and it's just and it only redeems them at that moment that because when she's like writing in her journal saying like this is stupid my therapist told me to do this and the, I it's not going to work he's an idiot and then you know you get to the end where 
even um, Robin Williams' character thought therapist was stupid too. But yeah. then he's like, no, I became a therapist because I want to continue to help people, but in a different way. And it only only gets to that point at the very end of the movie. I think it drives home a lot of points that just weren't weren't points you want to drive home, uh, especially when you're talking about suicide. It, it does redeem it at the end, but I don't think it was near enough. Like, that's just a, a subliminal point that you're driving is that therapy is dumb throughout this whole movie. And then you're like, no, it's okay. But you, like, say it in a whisper. Like, that's 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 what that was. Right. I, I didn't like that. Uh, but it'll bring us to our next topic. Uh, could could this movie be remade today? And uh, I think that Jamie should go first. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, sure. I, I don't think... I think the most controversial things were, uh, you know, uh, um, the, the, the changes in race for no apparent reason like it was just not necessary but i don't know it was just weird like why albert wanted to become an old white man i I think he said because uh like why live in the past or something like that you gotta leave the past behind but it was just a weird to me it was just very odd like i don't it just seemed completely unnecessary so i feel like today especially you know that would be a clear whitewashing like a very specifically actually whitewashing uh, for no good reason, um, but other than that, I mean that that's just a, a very minor detail of the movie. Other than that, they could probably do a better writing, do a better version, especially you know considering uh, what was uh, uh, Denzel Washington literally just did a Hamlet movie, mm-hmm. so and I think it did fairly well for such a serious you know movie based on uh, uh, from from Shakespeare. So I, I think. With some better writing, it could be made and maybe get a better, a wider audience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. What do you get? What do you think, Jones? I think it could. I think, um, you know, it's been around for a while, this sort of tragic love story. I think it could definitely be remade. Um, I don't know who would be cast. I don't know who could replace Robin Williams. Obviously not Will Smith. Oh, sorry. That new Aladdin movie wasn't very good. Um, But, yeah, I don't know that there's anything keeping it from being remade today. I think it could totally be done, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do see it eventually redone. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, uh, honestly, I think the movie holds up today um, just because of of the topic and and its understanding. Yeah. I think it could be remade. I don't think it should. Uh, I I personally think it should just be one of those uh, era pieces and it just stays that way. Um, uh, If it does, I hope they remake Hell to make it look better and scarier. Um, A lot of the set design for Hell was done, I believe, on some like sunken or or ships, some U.S. ships, I think, uh, that were being salvaged or... Was in a salvage yard. I can't remember. Yeah, Rusted Hulk, th- uh, the USS Oriskany. Or- yeah, is the name. Of so the I mean, like in it, it, uh, which was a great backdrop for Hell. I mean, I think that that was fantastic the the way they used it. But it could be way scarier. It could it could drive home the point that Hell is a bad place. You don't want to go there. Like that's why he's going through Hell to get there, right? And uh, 
Yeah, I think I think they could make it better. I, I think it definitely could be made better. But I think it's it, the story's going to get retold in a different format and in a different way. Um, so I don't think this movie particular particularly needs be to be remade. I think it's fine the way it is. Uh, and, uh, for that, we'll move on to, uh, final thoughts. Uh, but before we get there, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of my, like my favorite thing to talk about is always how I want to know what actors think about their movies. Um, and most of the interviews for Robin Williams came about when it was, um, the movie was just made. So it released and a couple of people, you know, interviewed him about it, um, in a interview with Jimmy Carter in ninety ninety eight, the um, and of course the link will be in the description below. Uh, he spoke about how he really wanted to be in Saving Private Ryan, as he was friends with Spielberg at the time, and that was a big movie then. You know, Robin uh, speaks on Peter Weir and how his control of Jim Carrey in the Truman Show, uh, because they were discussing the transition from being in a you know, comedy role, comedy role, comedy role, and then come to, to drama, like how that is for comedic actors. And, um, yeah. So Peter Weir in the Truman show, he directed it and was trying to, like, he talked about his control over Jim Carrey and, um, Robin Williams is like, it's not control. The, The Peter on how he approached Jim was like, you know, like in other directors do this when directing a comedic actor in a dramatic role, Peter uses his intelligence and connects with the actor on their level and makes them take chances and gives them opportunities to dial it back in performance. So, like, there's a lot of takes that go on with it in in those scenes. And uh, he speaks about how it's more concentration for a, for a comedy than it is a dramatic role. He's, he's Robin Williams' big uh, push for it. And, and one of my favorite quotes by him is he's, he quotes the old adage that dying is easy and comedy is hard. And uh, I really like that because a lot of people were pigeonholing, you know, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, those type of actors in comedic roles and not giving them really dramatic stuff. Uh, even though you get Patch Adams, Patch Adams is funny. You know, it has a lot of funny to it and it, and it gets dramatic. But I mean, you know, you get those dualities. Uh, but this one's almost... It's full drama start to finish. And I think he does, Robin Williams does play really well in it. Uh, that's kind of my, my thought on it. And in another interview with Bobby uh, in 1998, again, link below, yeah, he talks about how unique the film is and how powerful it was. Um, and he talks with the, the host on the idea of hell and heaven and re- reinforcing the idea as, per- as personal. And I really like that. Robin Williams thinks about that. Uh, he did say that his his idea of hell is a nightmarish mosh pit of damn souls. <laughs> Not a lot of demons, but that's that's what he thinks hell is, and um, he's experienced that as nightmares. Um, and in that particular one, I know he talked about it in a different interview that I, I couldn't get to in time, uh, but he didn't really state his idea of heaven, even though he was asked. Um, he spoke up on like, you know, he, it would be good to see his dad. And accepting him for for an actor and not a welder, um, so you get that that sense that he had a lot of pressure from his dad, which is a, I think a universal kind of concept. Um, but I mean, yeah, uh, my final thoughts on it is that it's it's 
it's what it is. Um, it's a heavy topic. I would say go go see it. And personally, like I said, we're we're gonna give it the rating system system of of wild rabbits. I think it's a, a three point five. Three point five wild rabbits. That poor poor point five rabbit that, was that, cut in half, but that poor half rabbit, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh that is my rating for this movie. I, I it's good. It's worth a watch. Maybe not more than twice at most. And couples should watch it. They should definitely watch it together. Uh, Jones, go ahead. All righty. So, yeah. Let's tank the rating. (laughs) Not not that tanky, I think. Um, Final thoughts? Uh, It it could have been a lot better. It has a good cast. It just, it seems like it wasn't in the right hands from a director's perspective and maybe even from a writer's perspective. Even though the writer has made some uh, really good screenplays in the past and since, it just, a lot of it didn't gel for me. So I just kind of wanted more and didn't really get what I was expecting out of the movie. Um, so I will actually give it two rabbits out of uh, five. So no half rabbits okay, for me, better... uh, two entire rabbits. <laughs> Odie just uh, his whole office is decorated with rabbit's foots, <laughs> wild rabbit's foots that he's caught and then murdered and then turned like, into <laughs> and only used still, that one foot for their kiss keychain. Still odd, still odd to just have. Like I don't, don't get uh, it. <laughs> oh man! So uh, one quick thing before I give my score, and uh, we almost forgot to include, is that the. Rotten Tomatoes score, and I and I love this, and I want to point this out because uh, I have I have very strong feelings towards critics of anything subjective, and how useless of a job it is, and how absurd it is that we pay people to give their opinions on subjective material, whether it's movies, music, food, uh, you know, art, whatever. It's the Which dumbest is why thing we in the do world. What we do for free, yeah, exactly. That out there. Currently, <laughs> at, until tomorrow. <laughs> but uh but anyway so the the tomato meter which i guess is the uh is that the critic score yeah yeah i think yeah. so right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. is uh 52 percent mm-hmm. uh which is you know obviously terrible but the audience score on rotten tomatoes is 84 percent and i love that i love that it shows the disparity between these hoity-toity critics who think uh, they're they're far more knowledgeable on, on what it means to be good art versus the people who are paying their money to go see it and uh, and probably seeing it multiple times. Okay, but so given that, um, I definitely cannot watch this over and over again. Even though this is probably my f- third or fourth watch, and I've certainly uh, I remember. I watched it with my a buddy, I think, we because we, we love Robin Williams, and we, we saw it. And then a few years later, I was like, Mom, you got to watch this, you know. So I sat down and, and, and had my mom watch it with her uh, when I visited her at some point. And then, of course, I had my wife watch it, uh, even though I think she had watched it at one point. But anyway, definitely can't watch it over and over again. So it can't get a uh, super high score, but I'll definitely give it three out of five, uh, Wild Rabbit. And I hope the other two are, are frolicking freely in the wild 
but <laughs> the three I'll keep are the ones to this movie. Well, in this this with a fun fact, of course, is that the whole so people are going to ask in the future, and this is just going to be a little goodie for people who stayed at the end, is how how this podcast came to be, right? And it was all over basically our feelings on Rotten Tomatoes on how you have that giant disparity between audience and critics. Yeah. And, and I think it was it, Hook, right, that we had initially yeah. discussed? Yeah. Yep, Hook was the one where it just... I think people just... The critics just hate Robin Williams. They just don't like to laugh by him. I don't get it. But the audience score is way higher on Hook than it is for the tomato score. Mm-hmm, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's how this podcast came to be. Fun fact, everyone, is that we talked about it and then we're like, we could do better. Like, screw these <laughs> stupid Because critics. we're not incentivized at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yet. <laughs> Yet, yeah. Yeah, this I can't episode, wait for those sponsors, those sponsor spots later this, on. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Yeezys. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, right. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Ugh. All right, so let's roll for our next, let's, let's get this positive. Let's roll for our next movie. Uh, it's going to be a 2000s film. So I'm going to do that right now, and it is Find Me Guilty, 2006 Oh, that is with Vin Diesel in a serious or not action role. Right. Mm -hmm. He's got hair in that movie. Ooh, all right. Back-to-back drama, right? (laughs) We started what? We we did basically comedian. (laughs) It was a comedy to me, at least, the second movie that we reviewed, but, you know, back-to-back comedies. But all right, back-to-back... Dramas. dramas, I like that. Not bad. Oh, cool! I'm excited. Yeah, it's a drama crime film yeah. from 2006, so that's that's right at the cusp yeah, right of what the... we can review. So that's awesome. Well, uh, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of it, guys. So uh, I appreciate everybody who for uh, for staying tuned and sticking with this one to the end. Hope you like the fun facts, and I hope you um, got a lot out of this conversation. And we'll just wait for the next episode soon. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thank you. The Death of VHS is recorded and produced by John Walls, Dylan Bailey, Jamie Johnson, Abe Ponce, and me, Richie Stevens. Editing by Jamie Johnson. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Death of VHS, and come join us on our Discord to hang out uh, with us and other fans and to discuss the latest episode. You can find the link for our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Death of VHS.